I'd like to welcome you to the ministry of McCormick's Creek Church. We certainly hope that you will enjoy this selection. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, I too am thankful for the young people. My youngest turned 30 this week, and she was bemoaning the fact that she was 30. And I said, honey, I've done it twice. It's no big deal. So I'm a young person, Brother Jonathan. Just twice. 30 twice and then some. But it's all, it's all good. I, I never thought I would live to see this age. I figured Jesus would come long before now. Uh, but I'm glad that he has allowed me to see this age. And to just kind of dovetail on what Brother Anthony said, I am very appreciative of our ministry and our ministers in this assembly. Uh, you know, it, it makes me proud when I hear good things. When I, I, I hear that, man, you, you missed it. You should have heard Brother, Brother Davis Sr. Uh, teach about the two roads, the two highways, the yellow brick road. And then, of course, I hear about Brother Davis Jr., and he steps up and, and does and labors, and I appreciate that. And then, of course, as a, as a father, I'm very proud of my son-in-law and the good word that I hear about him, because if I didn't hear a good word, I'd be grabbing him by the nap of the neck, and I would be saying, now listen here, son, we, we need to work on this. And then, of course, uh, I'm, I'm proud of my oldest daughter and what she does, and I'm looking forward to hearing a good report on that as well. And again, thankful for Brother Hill and Sister Hill, uh, absolutely the best pastor and pastor's wife that ever graced the face of the earth. The Bible tells us that the Lord said, I will give you pastors after my own heart. And I'm glad that I can, I can see that. I'm glad that uh, we have a, a man of God and a woman of God that strive to listen to the voice of God and be obedient. And so don't, don't be shy or bashful. Sister Hill gets red and she gets embarrassed and she gets frustrated when you brag on her, but she deserves it. So, so don't be, don't be shy about going to her and ladies putting your arm around her and say, you know, Sister Hill, I, I love and appreciate you. Thank you for what you do. Men go to her and shake her hand and tell her, thank you for being such a wonderful pastor's wife and for being a great example to the ladies of the church. And then our pastor, of course, we need to voice the same things to him and let him know how grateful and thankful we are for a man of God that will preach the truth. Some people say I'm harsh, and I am. Some people say I'm hard, and I am. Some people say that I don't have a lot of cooth, and they're right. 
But I'm going to tell you something. I intend to go to heaven, and I'm going to take as many people as I can with me. And I remember the day and the time when the Word of God was preached without fear or favor. If it, if it offended an individual, they found themselves in a place of prayer because they realized that I am in a bad situation. I have literally seen people in the middle of the preaching and the preacher was just scalding them in the Holy Ghost and jump up and run to the altar and begin to weep and to cry and to repent for the sin that was in their life. And yet we live in a day and an age today where people say, listen, we need to calm it down. We need to tone it down. We need to kind of uh, take the edge off of this, and, 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 you know, we need to be politically correct. Well, I'm going to tell you something. I would much rather be spiritually correct than politically correct any day of the week. Some few weeks ago, a young man that I work with, he, he said, I said something about Chick-fil-A, and he said, I can't go there. And I said, What? Now, this guy's bigger than me. And I said, you can't go to Chick-fil-A? What's wrong with you, dude? He said, my girlfriend won't let me. I said, you need to, you need to dump her. I said, why won't she let you? He said, because they have Christian values. And because they are against abortion. And because of that, she won't go. I said, bring her in. Let me have some conversation with her. Let me set her straight on a few things. And he said, oh, my God, no. I, no, no. I said, let me, let me clue you in on a little secret. I said, just because you want to ignore what is right doesn't change the fact that it's still not right. Just because you choose to embrace that which is morally wrong does not make it right for your life. So he's made it a point not to bring her around or when she comes around to make sure that she doesn't stay around me very long because if the subject comes up, I will let her know in no uncertain terms that if she thinks that she is a Christian, if she thinks that she has a relationship or is going to have one, she better change her ways. If you have your Bibles tonight, let us go to Daniel, the third chapter. Daniel chapter number three. Daniel being in the Old Testament right before Hosea. Right after Ezekiel, portion of Scripture we have heard from the time we were small children in the Sunday school class. Portion of Scripture that we've heard preached from many times. And I do not propose tonight to bring you anything earth-shattering or uh, going to maybe change your life, but I do want to bring you a word that the Lord spoke to me that perhaps will encourage you. Daniel chapter number 3 and begin reading in verse number 13, or verse number 12, I'm sorry. There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now, if ye be ready, that at that time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made well. But if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery, furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we're not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will. Deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship thy golden image which thou hast set up. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visions was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their hose, their hats, and their other garments, and they were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace would like tonight for just a few minutes preach to you a thought entitled, You Can't Change Who I Am. Let's all pray together right now. Lord Jesus, we're thankful tonight for your word. We're thankful tonight, God, for the truth that you have given to us. Thankful tonight, Jesus, for everyone that is here and for all that you're doing. Lord, we believe you tonight, and we want your word to go forth and give us what we have need of. Lord, let it rest upon our hearts, and let it begin to grow and to abide in us, that we may be able to stand in this evil day in which we live. God, I believe you tonight, and I thank you for everything that has been done. I thank you for your word that shall not return void. I thank you for your presence that is here tonight. Jesus, I thank you for everything that you have done and that which you shall do.
Lord, we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated in the name of the Lord. As I was saying at the outset tonight, we, we live in a very confusing time. I, I listen to the politicians and I read the reports and I read the news and they say one thing and then they say something else and then they go and do a third thing. The Bible says that an unstable man or a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. They are unstable. They are without any idea of what they do or what they are doing or what they are confirming. They are driven by the spirits that are in this world. I read the other day where somebody said, isn't it amazing that all of these people in the world that are talking about all the different genders that are out there, isn't it amazing that when you go and if you're going to have a sex change operation, they ask you whether you want to be one or the other, not one of the 50-plus ideals that are out there. Isn't it amazing that in a society in which we live that they say that good is now evil and evil is now good, that everyone is morally confused? We go and we find churches today that at one point in time they stood on the Word of God and they stood firm upon a stance of what was right and what was wrong. And yet today they are allowing anything and everything within the dynamics of their church and in their pulpits and in their leadership status. I read the other day where a major organization, not an apostolic, but a major organization, uh, decided and said they took a vote that they needed to divide up into several different factions for the simple reason and result of the fact that they wanted to have one arm for those that were of the LBGT category. And they wanted to have another for another section. <laughs> and I thought, how in the world can you take a Bible and begin to preach out of a Bible what the Word of God says and want to endorse and embrace all of this diversity? I am not saying that they are not welcome. They are welcome. We want them to come so that they can hear about Jesus and get their lives straightened out. But I'm here to tell you tonight that the world is in a mess because they are opening the doors to anything and everything. They are saying that whatever you feel like doing, it's all right. And you can be what you want to be and nobody really cares. And it's not important anymore to stand on truth. It's not important anymore to embrace the things that we had as young people and as children, the things that we enjoyed and the things that we looked at and the things that we embraced some 40, 50, 60 years ago no longer are categorically correct. We live in a society that says everything is all right. I was thinking today about 1969. My cousin came to church and he was going to sing a special he stood up to testify and he said, today at school, he said, I got sent to the principal's office, 1969, Brother Davis. And he said, the teacher began to talk about evolution and the fact that we came from monkeys. And he said, I stood up and said, sir, I disagree with you. And he said, well, I, you need to be quiet. He said, no, sir. 
He said, my Bible said that I was made in the image of God, and my God is not no monkey. He said the classroom erupted into laughter. The teacher got red in the face and sent him down to the office. But there was something down on the inside of that nine-year-old little boy that in the midst of the classroom, in the midst when people said, we're going to change who you are, that he stood up and he said, you're not going to change who I am. You're not going to change what I believe. You're not going to change what I stand on. Over the years, I have watched people that have stood in the face of adversity. They have stood for that which was right. They have preached the Word of God and they have lived according to the Word of God. But in this last day and age, when pressure is on, they begin to let up. And I have told my wife on many occasions that when you begin to let up on things, when you begin to cut back on things, the next thing that happens is the floodgates begin to open and every kind of vile, unclean, unnatural spirit will begin to permeate the house of God. I'm here to tell you tonight that I intend to stand on the Word of God and what it says. I intend to embrace the Word of God in its entirety. I intend to believe what God said, what He said a hundred years ago. He still says today what He said a thousand years ago. He still says today what He said a million years ago. He still says today. You can't change who I am. I've had opportunities. I remember back in the 80s, there was a young man that I had grown up with. He was pastoring a church. He began to go charismaniac. He began to let the floodgates down and or open and began to let the walls down. I went back to his church. There I walked in and I couldn't believe what I saw. I began to look around and I said, what has happened? An old woman in the church that I had known from the time that I was a very young boy came up to me and she said, oh, we've got a greater revelation. And I said, no, you haven't got a greater revelation. I said, you have left the principles of the doctrine of Jesus Christ. You have left the foundation. Oh, no, 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 Brother Doug, you don't seem to understand. I said, yes, I understand. You don't understand. You have left the place where the Lord has called you, and you are traversing down a path, down the road of hell. Friend, I'm here to tell you, as Brother Davis, from what I gathered, preached on last Sunday morning or taught about, there are two roads. The one road is the road to heaven. It's the road to righteousness. It's a straight way. It's a narrow way. It's not a broad way. It doesn't mean that anything goes. I've got to watch my step. I've got to look where I'm going. I've got to pay attention to what I'm doing. Why? Because I want to make it in. But if I'm going to go to hell, anything goes. I can live however. Friend, I'm here to tell you, you can't change who I am. I, my mind is made up. I'm determined. I'm going to walk with Jesus all the way. This preacher called me up. He said, listen, he said, I know, I know you're evangelizing and I know times are tough. He said, and I'll tell you what, he said, we've got behind the church, we've got a hookup. We've got water, we've got electricity, we've got a dump station. 
He said, why don't you just make this your home base? He said, I'll, I'll pay you so much money a month. And he said, don't nobody have to know anything about it. He said, I'll, I'll, I, he said, I want to do it for you. And I said, I called him by name and I said, you know, I said, it's a tempting offer, but I'm going to have to turn you down. And he said, I don't understand. He said, you need my help. I said, I need Jesus more than I need your help. I, I, I don't, I don't understand. I said, listen, you know what your dad preached. You know what you preached. You know what we believed in 15 years ago, 10 years ago. And you're not believing that now. You're not preaching that now. And as much as I would like to have the opportunity, as much as I could use the money in my pocket, as much as it would be good to have a place to come and hook up for a day or two at a time, I would rather stay out in the cold than to jeopardize my salvation with my Lord Jesus Christ. You can't change who I am. It doesn't matter what the cost is. It doesn't matter what I have to pay. It doesn't matter what I have to do. You're not going to change me because of your convenience. You're not going to change me because of your attitude. You're not going to change me because of your finance. You're not going to change me because of the things you say. Why? Because my mind is made up. I've got my eyes on the prize. I'm looking to Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of my faith. I'm walking with him, and I'm going the path that he's leading me on. We get to our text. We find Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. That was their names before Nebuchadnezzar changed their names to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The king thought if I change their names, I'll change who they are. The king thought if I begin to train them in my ways and teach them in my courts, and I begin to elevate and to do for them, I will cause them to change, that they'll be more like we are than what they used to be. There were many things that took place in the, in the lives of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There were many things that took place during the course of, the li- of their lives up until this point where we pick up in the Scriptures. There were changes that came to them <clears throat> that were not pleasant. There were changes that took place in their bodies that were not something that they would enjoy or want to have happen. But it didn't change the fact that deep down on the inside, they knew where they came from. They knew who their God was. They knew what their heritage was. They knew what they believed. The Apostle Paul said, I know in whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I had committed unto him against that day. They had a confidence in the God of glory. They had never seen Yahweh. They had never been in his presence per se. But they knew that somewhere there was a God that sat on high and knew where they were at. And they were going to serve him regardless of what went on around them. We find the day comes. They've been elevated. They've been blessed in the kingdom. They were over several provinces. They were rulers. They were princes. They had great things going for them. But the day came that the trial came along to their lives. Friend, I'm here to tell you tonight, everything can be going along just dandy. 
But the enemy will bring a trial along that will knock the wind out of your sails. The enemy will come along and try you at the very most inopportune of times. He will attack you when you don't think that you should be attacked and you're not expecting it. He will come after you in a moment when you don't know what is going to happen next. But here we find the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The word comes down that says that you're going to bow unto the idol which we have established. But deep down on the inside of them, they remembered the scripture. They remembered the Ten Commandments. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. God is one Lord, and Him only shall thou worship. They remembered that He was the only one that they were going to bow to. They remembered He was the one that had brought their father Abraham out. They remembered that He was the one that had brought Israel out of bondage. They remembered that He had done great things, and therefore they clung to what it was they had. We find that the word goes out. The decree goes forth. The idol is established. They probably had convened with one another and said, we're not going to, we're not going to bow. We're not going to give in to the things of the world. Just because somebody over here says, hey, you know, it's all right. It's just one time. It's, it's, It's just one time. You know, all you got to do is just give in one time. Uh Uh-uh. No. No, I'm not. I, I wasn't made to bend. I wasn't made to bow to anything other than Jesus. I wasn't made to bow down to an image of an idol. I wasn't made to bow down to anything other than my maker, and that is Jesus Christ. And they stood there, and the song, the the word went out, and suddenly it comes back. Somebody begins to find out. Friend, I'm here to tell you that there are people that will run around that will say they're your friends, but when the heat is applied, they're going to cut your throat, stick a knife in your back, and they're going to turn you over to any kind of trouble they can get, because they're not really your friend. The friend that you have is Jesus. For there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And that friend is Jesus Christ. His spirit that abides in you. That spirit that lives within you. That spirit that lifts you up. That spirit that encourages you. That spirit that gives you joy. That spirit that gives you peace. That spirit that speaks to you. That spirit that gives you that which you need in a time of trouble. Here they are, those that they had been confederates with, now turned them in. They go to Neb. Say, hey, Neb, you got, you got three jack legs out there, and they ain't going to bow. Now, you know, we're not trying to cause no trouble, but we understand the severity of, of the law. President Trump may not be the greatest person to ever walk the face of the earth, but I will give him this. He is standing up for, for what's right. He is, he is calling, calling things like they ought to be called. And that's why people hate him. Because they're getting called out, and they don't want to be called out. You know, the old adage my, my father-in-law used to say, the dog that yelps the loudest is the one you hit with the rock. 
You get, you get all them morons and heathens up there in Washington and they, they start screaming and yelling. It's because he's, uh, he's just beating them down. Standing for what's right. That's why we need to pray for him. Because he is at least standing on God, some godly principles. <clears throat> I realize that Vice President Pence is not an apostolic man, but he believes in prayer. And he, uh, he believes in the fact, and, 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 I, and I saw something the other day, that, and I'm not trying to make a political speech here tonight, but I saw something the other day on the internet where a, a, an Ethiopian or a refugee from over in Sudan or somewhere had came to the United States. She had been nationalized as a citizen, and they invited her along with some others there, and she said, may I pray for you, President Trump? And he said, by all means. And she began to pray, and she ended her prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. My friend, I'm here to tell you today that it's time that we stand up on what we believe. It is time we stand up for what is right. It is time that we don't let the world bulldoze us down and run us over and tell us what we ought to do. My friend, I'm here to tell you tonight, I am not going to let you change who I am. I'm not going to let the world change what I believe. I am not going to allow the world to make me different than what Christ has called me to be. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Listen, boys. You're facing imminent death. Got to die sooner or later. That's morbid. No, that's reality. Whether I live... But whether I die, it's unto the Lord. He's got this, you know, Brother Snellenberg was talking about his wife. Uh, the Lord had it all, in, all under control. He, he knew exactly. The Bible says he knows the end from the beginning. He knows exactly what he's doing and how to do it. And sometimes he allows things to happen so that he can get glory and people can see the greatness of God in your life and in my life. We need to quit saying, woe is me. Brother and Sister Witt and I know who I'm talking about. My father-in-law used to say about one woman that come to church, she was all the time boo-hooing and bemoaning how bad she had it. My father-in-law said, my God, said if she was going through half the trial she thought she was, she'd blister the varnish off the door coming in. She'd be so on fire. That's the truth. She wasn't going through nothing, but man, to hear her tell it, whoo, even Jesus said, fail going through this one, I just barely made it. Bishop, Bishop the other day on, on Facebook made a statement. He said, stop and consider. Bishop Danny St. Clair, he said, the arrow is pulled back before it is propelled forward. Sometimes you may feel like you're being pulled back, but perhaps God is getting ready to propel you forward. When we begin to understand 
that all things work together for the good to them that love God and are the called according to His purpose. When I am going through troubles and trials, when I am going through things, it is according to His purpose. I don't know the end result. The, the three Hebrew boys, they looked at the king and they said, King, the Lord is able to deliver us. Whether He does or not is another story. But know this, that we know that He's able. And one way or the other, we're getting out of this thing. One way or another, we're going to come through it. Whether it's through this life or whether it's through the fire, it doesn't really matter. We're not going to back down. You're not about to change who I am. You may have changed my name. You may have changed my diet. You may have changed my apparel. You may have changed the way I look. But you're not going to change what's in my heart. You're not going to change who I am on the inside. You cannot change who I am. Young people, don't let peer pressure change who you are. Saints, don't let people around you change who you are. You see, He called me, and He's changing me, and He's molding me, and He's making me that I might be like Him. The people today that are changing, and they're embracing all these damnable doctrines and heresies of the world, they are on their way to a devil's hell, because they are doing that which is not right. But you're not going to change who I am. I'm going to stand for the truth. I'm going to stand for what's right. I'm not going to be careful to answer you, O King. I'm not going to be careful to answer you, world. When you begin to talk about things, that righteous indignation is going to raise up within me. And I'm going to tell you, I do not agree with that. I do not agree with what you're promoting. I do not agree with what you're standing behind. I do not agree with what it is that you're saying that you should do and what others should do. And that I should be aware and want to give you room to do those kinds of things. That's between you and your maker, but I'm here to tell you I'm not going to condone you in your sin, but rather I'm going to tell you that it's wrong, and I'm not going to embrace that. I am going to live above the sin of the world. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, we're not, we're not careful. We don't care what you do. Doesn't really matter. We know where we're from. We know who our God is. We know what He has done in days gone by. Some musicians would come. So we would stand. You see, I don't, I don't have to be afraid. The old song says, many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand. But I... Know who holds the future. I don't remember how the rest of it goes, but nonetheless. It talks about, I, I know. I know who my maker is. I know whose hand I've got a hold of and who's got a hold of my hand. I know what I have been taught. 
I know what I believe. And therefore, I am going to stand on a firm foundation. I'm going to stand on that which is solid. And I'm not going to allow the world to defeat me. Oh, I have, I have acquaintances. I have family members that are not living. They, they know what's right. They've had the Holy Ghost. They've been baptized in Jesus' name. And they are living a life now that is a lie. They're living a life now that is a sham. But it doesn't change the fact that I still live for Jesus. When my aunt died some four or five years ago, I flew to San Antonio to officiate her funeral. One of her children is living a lie. Living in in sin. Living in a a state of gross unrighteousness. And I took license in the Holy Ghost that during that service to look at him and to tell him, you know what your mother and dad both believed. And you have believed it too. You know that your mother and dad served the Lord until the day that the Lord came and got them and caused them to enter into his rest. And you also know that the life that you live is wrong. Tears streaming down his face. And I called him by name and I said, it is time for you and for you grandchildren that are here that are wayward. It is time for you all to seek the face of God at this altar and to ask him to bring you back to that place once again that you once were. Service went on. Afterwards, they dried their eyes. They shook my hand. They hugged my neck said, thank you. Thank you so much. You did such a marvelous job. They went back to their sin. They too said, you're not going to change what I am. Not who I am. You're not going to change what I am. I'm rebellious. I'm hard-headed. I'm a goat. I don't, I don't want to be a sheep. I don't want to be led. I, I don't want you to tell me what I need to do. My cousin, the one that said, told his teacher his God wasn't a monkey, had some, has had some hard times, had some very devastating things happen. But in conversation with him some months ago, he said, Jesus never never let me down he never forsook me he never sold me out he never cut me short how how can I do anything less to a God that how can I do anything less to a Savior that has given me so much when I deserve so little he said I'll not let the circumstances change who I am I'll not let people and family 
change who I am. I'll not let the world and all of its enticement change me from who I am. The altar is open. If you're here tonight, you want to pray, I invite you to come and pray. I want, I want you to make up your mind. I want your mind to be made up. I want my mind to be made up. But it doesn't matter who says what or what may come. You're not going to change who I am. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of the King. I'm a blood-fought, redeemed saint of God that Jesus Christ has changed and turned my life around. And I'm going to serve Him. You're not going to change who I am.